Amen. All right. Well, let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 10. We are, uh, you know, this year, the Lord, uh, every at the beginning of every year, at the end of every year, I should say, um, somewhere around October, November, I usually start just asking the Lord about the next year. And uh, as I sought the Lord this at the end of 2018, about 2019, I just simply heard the word uh, supernatural. And I heard the Lord, as I started praying that out and asking the Lord about it, <clears throat> uh, I heard a couple things about it. And so f- for the first month or two, we always, uh, you know, that's the direction we go, and we just see where, where God leads us after that. But, um, but you know, we, so, so, um, so the Lord started talking to me about the supernatural. And he started, he started sharing with me that 2019 would be a year of the supernatural and be a year that the, that the supernatural becomes our new natural. And, you know, so we've, we've talked about that the last, you know, we've been sharing that word. And, and last week, uh, of course, the youth shared last week a, a lot about uh, the trip that they, they, take, they have taken and everything. And um, so, so this is really the first, the first Sunday we've got to talk about this. And as I was praying yesterday uh, and the end of the week, I just kind of felt, um, I just kind of felt in my spirit that some people were getting hung up on that word supernatural. And some people were, that was kind of tripping some people up because they were thinking that, uh, you know, that, that when you talk about supernatural things, a lot of people think about, you know, weird things because we see it in movies, the supernatural, you know, and it's the, the odd stuff, the weird stuff. And, um, you know, so as I was talking to the Lord about that, I, I, I was asking Him how to approach this because, you know, everything, everything in the Word and everything Jesus did was supernatural. BJ talked about it two weeks ago when he preached, um, and, and he talked about, he used that scripture in John 3, which I, I love that. Actually, let's turn over to John 3 and let's look at that for a second, because this is an, a phenomenal scripture. And BJ, he talked about this a little bit in his sermon, but Jesus made this, this incredible statement here in John chapter 3, and, and, he, and he, of course he's having this conversation with Nicodemus, and uh, and he tells him this in John chapter 3, and let's, we'll just pick up in uh, verse, uh, we'll just look at verse 12. He says, uh, John, this is John three twelve. He says, if I have told you earthly things and you believe them and you believe not, how shall you believe it if I tell you heavenly things? Now, when we think of heavenly things, you know, we think of spiritual. We think of, you know, uh, you know, uh, even when we talk about eternal life, that's what the point BJ was making. Even when we talk about eternal life, you're, you know, we automatically put eternal life off in the future. Eternal life is something we're going to have in heaven. You know, but I want you to notice what Jesus said here. Jesus said this in verse 13. You know, he was talking to Nicodemus, and he said, if you can't even believe earthly things that I've told you, then how are you going to believe deeper things than that, spiritual things? And then in verse 13, he said this, And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. So what, what Jesus, Jesus just told Nicodemus, here's what he told him in a nutshell. He said, listen, he said, he said, how can you, he said, if you can't even believe the earthly things I'm telling you, then how are you going to believe things that are spiritual? And he said, because, he said, because no man has ascended up into heaven except for the except for the one that came down from heaven which is the son of man which is who who's he talking about he's talking about himself now he's having a conversation with nicodemus he's sitting here talking to nicodemus eye to eye he says no man's no man's been to heaven except for him that's come down from heaven which is me which is in heaven but wait a minute jesus you're standing right in front of me how can you be in heaven if you're standing right in front of me and what jesus was telling him was this He's like, I live in a different place. I live in a spiritual, in a spiritual place that is more real than, than this natural place. And he said, if you can't even believe the natural things I tell you, then what, really what he was telling Nicodemus is like, what I'm getting ready to share with you is going to blow you away. Because I'm not really living this life only on earth. I'm, I'm actually in heaven right now. Now, <laughs> from our perspective, what would you think? What would you think if somebody came up to you and said, "Say, hey, hey, BJ, I'm, I'm Stephen. I'm, I'm in a different place right now. I'm not right here, really. I'm, I'm in two places." We'd probably look at him and think, "That's the weirdest person. I don't know what he's been smoking, what he's been drinking, 
but something's wrong with that person because he's obviously right in front of me. And Nicodemus is probably sitting here saying, whoa, 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 time out, time out. You know, how, how, what are you talking about? But what Jesus, see, and, and of course, we have, the, we have the privilege of having the whole Scripture we can, we can glean from. You know, and, that's, and, and I, make this, I make this statement a lot, and I talk about this a lot, but, but you know, sometimes we, we look at these guys, we look at the disciples, we even look at Nicodemus here and thinking, you know, man, all this is so simple, we understand that. But you have to understand, this is the first time Nicodemus ever heard anything like this. And Nicodemus is asking, Jesus is, starts talking about being born again, and, of course, the first thing Nicodemus is thinking is, how am I going to go back in my mama's belly? How am I going to be born again? And, of course, we know Jesus wasn't talking about a natural birth. He was talking about a spiritual birth. So, see, everything Jesus talked about and everything, uh, you know, on one level, on one level, yes, Jesus was talking from a natural standpoint, but Jesus always, everything he taught and everything that he did... It was always from a. It was always from another level. It was always from another from another dimension. It was always from from a different place. And so many people. We talked about this Wednesday night about how there's different there's different ways that you can interpret scripture. You know, in other words, there's the there's the base level, which when he tells a story, you know, you just get just the story, and you think, oh, well, that's a good story. But then there's the practical application level. Which, which is like, you, I can take that story and I can learn from it and I can take principles out of that story and I can, I, can let, I can take a principle out and I can start applying it to my life and when I apply it to my life, it changes my life so I can pull a practical application out of a story. That's a whole nother level. But then there's even a deeper level. And that deeper level is the prophetic level. It's the, it's the spiritual level. It's, it's, going, it's going a step deeper and what Jesus was talking about here, because Nicodemus is probably thinking, you know, how can you be in two places at one time? But what Jesus was saying was this. Yes, my body is here, but my spirit man is connected with my heavenly home, and in the spirit is where I get my information. That's why Jesus would say things like, you know, anything you hear me say is not me, but it's what I hear the Father say. Well, how could he hear the Father say? Because he was at home with his Father. Anything you see me do, it's, it's, you know, it's not just my works. I do what I see the Father do. Well, how could he see his Father? He's looking in a different dimension. And he didn't tell us those things to freak us out, or he didn't tell us those things to put him to, so that we would put him up on a pedestal. But Jesus was, I mean, you know, I mean, he deserves our worship. But what I'm saying is, he didn't say that just so that we would lift him up. Oh, Jesus, you're so special. He told us that is because he said, and you can do the same thing. You can live from the same place. And if, if you know, and we, and you hear phrases like, you hear phrases like, you know, change our perspective to see the way God sees, um, you know, to see it from His point of view. I mean, all of these little, these, the way we try to explain it, they're all talking about the same thing. It's talking about living in the supernatural or living in the spiritual versus living just based in the flesh and all we can see, you know, in the natural way. So, so when we talk about supernatural, we're not talking about some weird, goofy, um, odd, scary place that nobody knows anything about. As a matter of fact, Jesus has taught us a lot about the supernatural. And he's taught us how to live there. I mean, he's, you know, his whole life was, a, was an example of how to live in the supernatural. And so don't let the word supernatural um, trip you up when we talk about that 2019 is going to be a supernatural year. As a matter of fact, Brother Hagin always said this. Brother Hagin would make this statement. He said, that, he said that so many people are looking for the spectacular that they miss the supernatural, which is right in front of them the whole time. So in other words, Brother Hagin's definition of the supernatural, a lot of us, see, a lot of us would put, if I ask you to, to define the supernatural, a lot of us would automatically go to miracles and to signs and wonders and and the spectacular, the big, the boom, you know, the, the fireworks in the sky, that's the supernatural. But you see, Brother Hagin said, Brother Hagin's comment was, he said that so many people, a lot of people are looking for that 
fireworks in the sky, you know, for, for an airplane to mysteriously drive by to say, Stephen, go to this place. You know, oh, that's what I'm saying. Okay, God, thank you. You know, that's what, that's, that would be supernatural to us. But Brother Hagin said that, that so many people are looking for that spectacular. They're, 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 they got their eyes up. They got their eyes looking for this big boom that they miss the supernatural, which is right in front of them all the time. So what does that mean to us? What does that tell us? That tells us that the supernatural is not necessarily the, the big booms, but it's just the way that God ministers. It's the way that God speaks. It's the way, the way, that, we, the way that we should be living our lives on a day-to-day basis. So today, I want to talk to you about this. I, I, I entitled this for the sermon, for the CD, uh, for the title. I, I entitled this Simply Supernatural. Because the supernatural doesn't have to be weird. The supernatural doesn't have to be mysterious. The supernatural can become simple to us when we understand what it is. Because here's the thing. If 2019 is going to be a supernatural year, then we have to understand, we have to understand what the supernatural is and how to find it and how to walk in it. And, you know, and, and when, I was praying this, when I was praying this, I just sensed in my spirit this week as I was praying this out, about today, that, that some people, some of you guys, I mean, when I say some people, some in our church, um, when, when you heard that about 2019, about being a supernatural year, you automatically disqualified yourself because you said, oh, well, that's for the super religious, that's for the pastor, that's for the, the upper-ups, you know, that, that I, I would never be able to walk in the supernatural. But I got good news for you. Every one of you walk in the supernatural every day. You do, whether you realize it or not. Hopefully by the end of the day, you'll understand and you'll see maybe a little bit better a glimpse of how each one of us walk in the supernatural every single day, and you may not even know it. And so, so when we say that the supernatural is going to become natural to us and that it's going to be the new normal for us, you know, I want, I want that to include everybody. I want every one of you sitting here to be able to say, this year, I want, I want to experience more of the supernatural in my life than, than I'm experiencing natural. That's, that's where I want us all to be because when we start looking for it, we'll start seeing it. Amen. So let's, let's look because I want to show you a couple things. Let's look here in John chapter 10. And I want to show you a couple things about, um, a couple things about, about some, of these, some, of, some of this about simply supernatural. Now, Luke chapter 10 is where Jesus gave instructions to the 70. If you remember, he sent the 12 out. He, he got his 12 disciples, and he sent them out, and then he sent another group out, and, and they all come back, and, they're, you know, and, and, and actually he had to do some, even some correction with them. And most people, if he had to do some correction with them, you know, they started arguing over who was the greatest. When they got back and they started seeing signs and wonders and miracles, they come back talking about, you know, well, I, you know, I did the greatest works. No, I did greater works than you did, you know. And Jesus kind of had to, he had to kind of do some pruning on that and correct that. But then he turned right around and chose 70 more and sent them out. You know, and so Jesus wasn't afraid of people, of, of people, you know, uh, being a little over, overzealous for these things. A lot of times people say, well, I don't want to, I don't want to get into the, you know, into one of the one to one of them wild churches because you know they just get into fanaticism. Well, you know, listen, I, I've heard this, I've heard this my whole life, and I, I still hold to this. Even in the even in the Baptist church, I heard this. But uh, and Brother Hagin used to say this all the time too. But but he would always say, "I'd rather have a little wildfire than no fire." Amen. Amen. I mean, I can I can deal with some wildfire, but when you have no fire, it's a little bit. I, I tried to. Uh, there's a pile of stuff out back here we, when we cleaned this ditch out back last last fall. Uh, we had got a bunch of pine needles and a bunch of stuff, and, and uh, it had been sitting in a pile back here behind the church, and I thought, well, I'm just going to burn that, you know, this week. I said, I want to light that on fire and burn it, you know. It's supposed to rain some more, and it'll be all right and get that out of the way. Well, little did I realize, or I guess I should have realized, I just wasn't thinking. When I went to light that stuff on fire, we had had so much rain, it was just saturated. And it took me forever to, to even try to get that stuff to even burn. And then all it would do was smolder. It wouldn't even burn. And, you know, and one of the frustrating things is when you're trying to burn something if you can't get fire. So, you know, so I'll, I'll echo that again to say I would rather have some wildfire than no fire. 
Amen. Because it's frustrating when you have no fire. Amen. When you're trying to get something. But look, in, in Genesis, or in Genesis, in, in uh, Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out the 70. He gives them instructions on what to do, and he sends them out. And then they come back, man, and they come back, and they're so full of, of, of you know, man, they're, they're so excited, and they're so pumped about what's happening. And notice, notice what, this is very interesting. Notice what Jesus said here in John chapter 10. We'll just pick up in verse 17. John 10, 17, it says this, And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. I mean, you know, it's almost like they were saying, I can't believe this works, man. Even, even the devils have to, uh, you know, bow to the name of Jesus. This is awesome, man. This power is great. Thank you for sending, you know. And they were so excited about the works that they were doing. Now, we all get excited. I mean, you know, if, if you've ever laid hands on somebody and prayed for them and they got healed, that's exciting, you know, it's, it's cool to see people, I mean, it really is. It's cool to lay hands on somebody and see, see a disease leave, to see a growth shrink, to see something leave their body, to see, I mean, you know, to see their, their body change right in front. I mean, that is cool, and that's something that we, we should all get excited about, right? And we would call that, normally we would call it, man, that's supernatural, that's, that's, you know, that's spectacular, that's, man, that's awesome when that happens. So there was nothing wrong with their excitement, you know, because they just came back and basically what they, what they were excited about was this. They, they came back to Jesus and just said, we're excited that it worked. What you said worked. This is cool. But look what Jesus said. And Jesus said unto them, he says, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give you, a, that word power really should be authority, uh, it's, it's the word translated authority. They just translated it power. But he says, he says, Behold, I give you power or authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all of the power. And that word power actually can be translated ability. So, so when you read it like that, if you read authority and ability, listen to this. Jesus told them, he said, he said I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky. And he said, Behold, I give unto you the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all of the ability of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Man, that's awesome, right? I mean, that's exciting. And that's, man, that's, you know, man, I ha you know, God, Jesus just gave us authority to trample over any of the ability of the devil and, and nothing he can do hurts us. You know, that just amped their, you know, he, it was like a, he was goosing them, you know, like, yeah, get up, yeah, that's good, that's right, you know, you can do more, you know, you have more power, more ability, more, more power and stuff. But then notice verse number, 20, verse number 20. Then he says this, notwithstanding, or the, the Amplified says, nevertheless. In other words, he says, even though that's true, listen. He said, notwithstanding, in this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So what was Jesus telling them? He says, guys, listen, I, I love it that you're excited about all these signs and wonders and miracles, and I love it that you're, you're excited about, you know, that the, that the words I gave you work, and yes, you have authority, you have ability to, to trample over everything the devil does. That's all great. He says, but listen, don't get caught up on that stuff. He said, what you need to rejoice in is that your name is written in heaven. Now, the Bible tells us, turn over to Luke chapter 15. Let me show you this. Luke chapter 15. And there's a, there's a reason why, why I say this, and I think there's a reason why he said this. Luke chapter 15, Jesus was giving, he gave three parables here, and in all three he gives this, this same scenario. The first parable is of, of Jesus, and, or of the parable of the lost sheep, how... Um, and we'll just read that parable here. It says in verse number 4, this is Luke 15, verse number 3. And it says, Jesus spoke the parable, this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. But look at verse number 7. Jesus said, I say unto you 
that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. So Jesus said this. Jesus, he told him in Luke 10, he said, listen, he said, he said don't rejoice that, that signs and wonders and you have this power and this ability and you're doing all these great things. He said, don't rejoice in that. He said, just rejoice in the simple fact that I loved you enough that I came and that your name is written in heaven. Because he tells them later in, in Luke 15, he tells them later, he says, because let me tell you, he said, there's more rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents then over when, and, and I'm adding to this, but, but he could say it this way. I, I, there's more rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents than when 99 people are out casting out devils out of people. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Don't think of the supernatural as just the big, bold stuff. Think of the supernatural as everything that God does for us. The most supernatural thing that can ever happen to you is your salvation. Because something, something happened that is not possible in the natural. And what happens at, at salvation, and we won't go through that whole process, but, but I mean, you understand, what happens at salvation, the Bible says when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, that our spirit man is recreated and we become a brand new species that never existed before, some translations say. So our spirit man gets recreated, and at that moment, God comes to live on the inside of us. That's the most supernatural thing. So every one of you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, every one of you have, have already experienced the most supernatural thing that could ever happen. And because of that, Every other supernatural thing that is available is available to you. And it's not a matter of who does the greatest works to say who's the most supernatural, but it's a matter of who's walking in the, in the simple things of God, listening to His instructions, following. Listen, and you, you've heard this, I'm sure you've heard these cliches your whole life. You know, but the, the, people, that, the people in heaven who are going to get the greatest rewards... They're not going to be the Billy Grahams and the Kenneth Hagans and the Kenneth Copelands and the Oral Roberts. They'll get plenty of rewards. I'm not saying that at all. But I am still convinced that the people that will get the greatest rewards in heaven will be the little grandmas that prayed their whole families into heaven. It'll be the intercessors that, that nobody has ever heard about that spent hour after hour after hour praying for people Seeing, people, seeing the most supernatural thing that could ever happen, people being born into the kingdom, come into the kingdom. Jesus told him, he said, guys, listen, it's great that all that's happening and it's great that, that you're walking in this and you're learning how to experience this. He says, but don't rejoice just because of the works. Rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Now think about this. Consider John the Baptist. You know, John the Baptist was, uh, you know, we, we read about John and we talk about John. And, and as a matter of fact, listen to a couple of things that said about John. Look at J uh, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. This is a scripture, actually, I, I've read this many times, but it, but it never hit me till this week as I was studying this. This is pretty awesome. Not this particular scripture, but a scripture I'll give you in just a second. Um, Luke chapter 1 verse 15 and this is what this is what the angel said about John as he's as he's talking to Zacharias his dad and this is what the angel is having this conversation with with uh with Zacharias and he said this he says for he shall be talking about his son John this is of course before he's born before even before he's conceived really uh no actually he's already been conceived and he's having uh, he's having this you know he's having this conversation with Zacharias and he says uh, he says, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. This is Luke 1, 15. He shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the Spirit in, and in the power of Elijah 
to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the, to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Man, what a, what a prophecy about what John the Baptist is getting ready to do. You know, and he's going to be, and, and he said, I love that in verse 15, he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. So he told his dad, man, John, he said, your son's going to be an incredible young man. Later, near the end of John's life in Luke, in Luke chapter 7, John is arrested and he, he's, uh, you know, he's already baptized Jesus and he's introduced Jesus to the world. You remember, I mean, Jesus comes down and, and John is out in the wilderness baptizing people and uh, Jesus comes and, and sure enough, John proclaims that he's the, he's the Lamb of God and, and when John baptizes him, heavens open up and, and there's a voice from heaven that says, Behold, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And the dove comes down out of heaven and rest, you know, or comes down and rests on Jesus' shoulder, and and you know, and and man, this is great, you know, this is wonderful, and and here John is introduced uh, Jesus to the world, you know, they were cousins, Mary, Mary and Elizabeth were cousins, and so John and Jesus were cousins, and and you know the story, Mary went to the angel told Mary that her cousin was pregnant, and when she went down to to see Mary or to see Elizabeth. You know, when they saw each other, the Bible says that, that John leapt in the womb and was filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, so, so that prophecy came true that the angel told Zacharias that he would, he would be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. So, so uh, John is out, you know, he's out preaching, uh, preaching you know, repentance and, and out preparing the way of the Lord. And so, so then Jesus shows up and, you know, and everything's great. And, but then John gets arrested. And John is sitting in jail. And surely he thinks, if anybody's going to come to my rescue, it'll be my cousin. And my cousin will come get me out of jail because they're talking about killing John. They're talking about taking his head off. And, and so, he's, so John is like, man, you know, if, I need, if anybody needs to be saved, it's me. So surely Jesus is going to come save me. Well, Jesus goes on his way and is out preaching and out doing things and out visiting cities and doing all these works, but he don't go visit John. And so John, you know, John, I don't, you know, John in his um, natural mind, I guess, he starts questioning, well, can this really be the Son of God? If, you know, my, my theory, my, this is my Stephenism here, uh, if, if, you know, John's think, probably thinking this, if he's really the Son of God, he would come rescue me. You know, he, he would know I'm in danger, and if that's really, if he's really who he said he was, then he should come rescue me. Days and weeks went by, and Jesus didn't show up. So John starts saying, well, did I miss it? Is, is he really who he said he is? Because if, 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 you know, if he's really who he said he is, then he would know I needed rescuing. So he, so John had disciples that followed him, and so John sent two of his disciples, and he told him this. He said, he said, guys, go go to Jesus, and ask him if he's the one, or if I should be looking for another. <laughs> you know, he's like, he's like, kind of this is code word for saying, hey Jesus, if you're it, come get me. You know, just just so you'll know where I am. I'm in jail and I'm in prison, and this is not good. So, so Jesus, so John's disciples go out to Jesus where he's out in one of the cities and they ask him, they said, well, John sent us and he wants to know if you're the one. So Jesus, Jesus tells the, the two disciples this, he says, he says, go back and tell John everything that you see. Well, what did they see? You see the lame healed, you see the sick healed, you see, or you see the sick healed, the lame walking, you see the dead raised again, you know, you see the blind eyes open, the deaf ears open. And, and he lists seven or eight things, you know, miraculous things. Then he makes this statement. This is interesting. He says, he says, and blessed is he who does not get offended at me. Very interesting statement. Basically, he was telling John, John, I'm the one, and you just got to trust me. You can't, you can't expect me to do what you want to do. You know, it's not your plan with my blessing, like so many of us do. So many of us get our plan together, and we, do, we, we have all the plan. We work it out in our head. We got it all figured out, 
And then the last second, we say, oh yeah, God, can you bless this? And Jesus told him, he said, he said, tell John, blessed is he that does not get offended in me. Powerful statement. So John's, John's disciples take off to go tell him. So after John's disciples leave, Jesus says this about John. And this is in uh, verse 24. It says, And when the messengers of John were departed, Jesus began to speak with the people concerning John. He says, What went you out into the wilderness for to see? A reed shaken in the wind? But what, but what went ye out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they which are gorgeously appareled and live delicately are in king's courts. But what went you out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it was written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, which shall prepare the way, your way before you. And then look at verse 28. This is an incredible statement. Jesus said this, For I say unto you, among those that are born of women... Now who is that? That's everybody. Everybody's born of a woman, right? I mean, in other words, Jesus said, he says, among all people, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. For he, for, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. What an incredible statement. So Jesus makes this statement about John the Baptist. He says, listen, I know John wasn't all that, all that great to look at because the Bible says he was dressed in, in you know, just wool and ate, you know, ate just honey and leeks and all this stuff. And I mean, he, he was not, not gorgeous. He wasn't gorgeously, gorgeously appareled and, and, you know, eloquent with his language. Jesus said those people are in the king's courts. He says, but you know what John was? He was the greatest prophet. And he said, he said, there's not a person that was born of woman that's greater than John the Baptist. But then Jesus goes a step further. He says, but, I tell you this, he says, but he that is least in the kingdom is greater than John. Now, why would he say that? Well, because at the time, John was not part of the kingdom because Jesus hadn't offered his life yet. What Jesus was saying was that those that believe on him would be just as great, if not greater, than John. Why? Because because we are we are we have the the privilege of being the new breed. We have the privilege of having having the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. John never had that. But now I want you to notice this, because when we think of John the Baptist, even Jesus' word, the angel's word said he'll be great in the sight of God. Jesus said there's not been anybody greater than John the Baptist. When we think of John the Baptist, we think, man, that guy was incredible. That guy was, if anybody was supernatural, man, John the Baptist was. You know, he, he prepared the way. He baptized Jesus. He did all these wonderful things. But look at John 10, 41. John chapter 10, verse, uh, we'll, we'll actually start reading in verse uh, 39. Jesus is talking to the to the Jews here, and they're they're trying to arrest him. They they, you know, they're always fussing with him and always always trying to get him uh, in trouble with the law and stuff. And in verse thirty nine, it says this: Therefore, they sought again to take Jesus, but he escaped out of their hand. How many times that Jesus just walked through the crowd after they were trying to arrest him, you know, and and they couldn't they couldn't touch him. It says he he escaped out of their hand. And Jesus went away again beyond Jordan into the place where John at first baptized. And there Jesus abode. And now look at verse 41. This is, this is, I, I've read, I know I've read this many times, but I've never seen this. Verse 41 says this, And many resorted unto him, or many came to Jesus there, and said, they said this, they said, John did no miracles, but... Everything that John spoke of this man came true. Now, isn't that something? The angel said John would be great in the sight of God. Jesus said there wasn't anybody born that's greater than John the Baptist. But here we're told that John never did one miracle. 
We think to be great, we think, we think to be awesome in God's sight and, and to be considered great, we have to be the miracle workers. Everybody we lay hands on has to be healed. You know, and those people that you see pray for people and everybody falls out and whole churches fall out and, and you know, everybody goes into trances and, and all, this, all this wild stuff, that's the most powerful people, really. Not according to Jesus and not according to the Word. The angel said he would be great. Jesus said there's nobody greater than him, born of woman, but yet he did not do one miracle. What does that tell us? That tell, guys, listen, what I'm, the point I'm trying to prove is this. The supernatural is not all about miracles. Now, thank God for miracles. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not belittling miracles and healings and, and, and all the spectacular stuff we see. What I'm trying to get you to see is this. Let's not focus on the spectacular stuff and let's focus on simply the supernatural stuff. In other words, simply the things that God wants us to see and to hear. One last example. Now, this, this probably is, is probably one of the best laid out examples. And it comes from 1 Kings chapter 19. And you know the story well. This is the story of Elijah. Elijah goes and defeats the prophets of Baal up on Mount Carmel. And, you know, and, and just makes a mockery of them, to be honest with you. And defeats all of the prophets of Baal. And, and you know, and, and just and has them all killed. And, and then, you know, and you would think after, after a victory like that, man, you would think that Elijah would be on cloud nine. And you would think that nothing would be able to touch Elijah. After a victory like that, man, I mean, you would think there, there wasn't anything to be able to touch John at this point. But then we read that somebody comes up to, to Elijah, or uh, comes up to Elijah, I should mean, uh, comes up to Elijah and they say, they say this. They say, oh, Elijah, you done in it now. Oh, yeah, what's that? You know, I just killed all the prophets of Baal. There ain't nobody can touch me. Oh, yeah, the king's wife, Jezebel, word has it. She said she's going to have your head off your shoulders by nightfall. Elijah's like, ooh, Jezebel. That's not good. And the Bible says he runs for fear over one woman. After he'd done killed, what, 400 prophets of Baal? He saw, God, he saw God consume them with lightning and fire from heaven at the command of his voice. And one woman, Jezebel, scared Elijah so bad that he ran and hid in a cave. And let me tell you, that spirit of Jezebel is still alive and well. And, I mean, we won't even get into that. But, I mean, but that, just imagine that one, one, one spirit of that one woman scared him so much after he had such a great victory that he ran and hid. We come to this story here in 1 Kings chapter 19. And we'll just pick up, we'll pick up here in verse number 9. <clears throat> First Kings 19.9. It says, And he came thither unto a cave, and he lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And, you know, God comes just knocked on his door. And God says, What you doing here, Elijah? What's up? And Elijah said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken their covenant thrown down their altars and slain your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Now this is after one of the greatest victories we read in the Old Testament. Elijah's having a pity party. And he says, God, he said, I've been zealous for you, and I've done all this stuff, and now, God, look what they've done. They've killed everybody but me. I'm the only one you have left, God, and they're seeking to kill me too. Oh, He's having a pity party. And, and he said, God, and God said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and a strong wind rent the mountains and break the pieces, broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after... The wind, an earthquake came. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. 
And after the earthquake, a fire came, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face up in his mantle, and he went out, and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him, and said again, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he has this conversation with him, and God basically tells him, You know, look, you're not the only one. I've got 700 or 7,000 or something like that. He said, I've got 7,000 other prophets hid away. You're not the only one, Elijah. So get out of here. Get, get back and start doing what I told you to do. But here's the point I want to make. When, when Elijah, Elijah had this spectacular thing happen, and then, then he ran in fear because of, of a word that he got, then when he got to the cave, when God spoke to him, God came three different times, four different times. Four different things happened, but it says that God wasn't in the first three, but it was in the fourth. But, but here's, here's what I want you to notice. It's very interesting when you study this. The first one, it says that God came, a wind came, and it, and it broke to pieces the rocks, but God wasn't in it. Well, has God ever been in a wind? Yes. On the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that God came down like a rushing mighty wind and filled all those that were waiting in the upper room. So you see... God didn't come in a wind to Elijah, but the, to the disciples in the upper room, He came in a wind. The second one, it says that an earthquake came. And it says, it says, but God wasn't in the earthquake. Well, has God ever been in an earthquake? Yeah. When Paul and Silas were in jail, the Bible says as they prayed and as they worshipped, the earth shook and the, jail, and the chains fell off of them and the, and the, the prison doors opened up. And they walked out free. So God was in the earthquake. He wasn't in the earthquake with Elijah, but he was with Paul and Silas. And then the fire. It says a fire came up the mountain and, you know, and consumed all the, everything there, but God wasn't in the fire. Has God ever been in a fire? Yeah, we see it multiple times. right? We see it with the burning bush with Moses. We see it with the three Hebrew children thrown in the fiery furnace. But yet God spoke in that still, small voice. What I want you to see is this. And what I want you to hear today is this. Don't limit God to just the spectacular. Now, it's great when He comes in the wind. It's great when He comes in the earthquake. It's great when He comes in the fire. All that's wonderful, man. We love reading those stories. And they're so encouraging. And, man, they get you fired up. But you know what? The still, small voice that God speaks to each and every one of us every day is just as spectacular, is just as super, I should say, is just as supernatural as those spectacular things are. But unfortunately, we, we, we hear that still small voice and we don't think anything about it. As a matter of fact, a lot of times we just push it down and say, nah, that's not important. That's just me or that's just, you know, I don't need to listen to that. Go back to what Brother Hagin said. Brother Hagin said that, that people, so many people are looking for the spectacular that they miss the supernatural, which is right there in front of them the whole time. Could it be, now just let me, let me present this. We're, we're closing up here. Could it be, some of, you, some of you have been praying, some of you have been seeking God about things, some of you have been praying for healing, some of you have been praying for you know, financial things and for family members and and for all these different things, <clears throat> could it be that you've been looking for the spectacular and you've missed what God's been speaking to you about those things all along? And some of you have even got upset with God because He didn't come through, the, he didn't come through in the spectacular way you thought that He should have. And when you get upset with somebody, remember what Jesus said? Jesus told John, He said, Blessed is he that don't get offended in me. Well, you know, you know what happened to John? Jesus never came to rescue him out of jail. John the Baptist died. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, had his head chopped off. Well, that's not fair. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't the plan of God for Jesus to come rescue John out of prison. John had served his purpose, right? John had prepared the way 
That was what he was called to do. John was great in the sight of God. Jesus said there's never been another that's opened the womb of a woman that's greater than John the Baptist. Yet Jesus didn't come rescue him out of jail. Didn't do what John thought he should have done. But that doesn't change that doesn't change the fact that, that it wasn't that God wasn't with John or that God was displeased with John or, or anything like that. What I'm saying is this, guys. We have to stay open and we have to be flexible so that God can work. If God wants to do the spectacular in your life, praise God, let Him. But you know what? If God says, I want to speak to you in this season, just listen to what I'm saying. Listen. Take, follow my steps and then watch what I can do with you through this. You see, because God, to Elijah, God wasn't in the earthquake, He wasn't in the wind, He wasn't in the fire, He was in that still, small voice. But to these other people, to Moses and to the three Hebrew children, to Paul and Silas in jail, to, to the people at Pentecost that day, they, they had the spectacular happen. But you know what? Neither one is greater than the other. The still, small voice, the wind, the earthquake, the fire... They're all supernatural. So don't judge the supernatural by the spectacular. Amen? And don't think that just because we say supernatural that it disqualifies you because you never see the spectacular. Because I guarantee you, if you, if you have heard God speak to you, if you've, if you've had an unction, if you've had an urging, if, if God has dealt with you in any way, today or yesterday or last week or last month or last year, however long it's been, then you've walked in the supernatural. Because any time that God deals with you, He doesn't deal with your flesh. He deals with your spirit man. Which in anything that has to do with our spirit man is supernatural. Because it's not of this natural world, it's from another world. And it's the same world that Jesus, going back to where we started at, it's the same world to where Jesus said, He said, you know, no man's been to heaven except for the Son of Man, which, which ascended and now is descended, which is in heaven. In other words, Jesus said, listen, I, I live in another realm. I live in the heavenly realm, but yet I'm here on the earth. And what Jesus wants us, and what He wants us to get out of that, and what we all need to glean out of that, is that God speaks to us so many different ways. And He wants to, and he wants to, to minister to us so many different ways. And we can't, you know, we have to remain flexible. To it's not a matter of it's not a matter of putting God in a box and saying, God, the only way you can move is if you bring this. If you do this one thing, that's that's the way I know you'll move. That's the wrong attitude to have. Because sometimes God, I don't know about you, but I found in my life that God doesn't do the same thing the same way very often. Most of the time. You know, I receive most of the, most of the times I've received healing, I've received them different ways every time. I mean, sometimes it's this way, sometimes it's that way, sometimes it just happens, and, and you know, I mean, you know, and and there's been different ways that God has you know touched my body and and brought healing to me. It's not the same way every single time. And if you look, if you only look that way, if you only look one way and say, God, that's the only way I'm going to receive this, then chances are you won't receive it. Because, see, God is, not, God is not at your whim. He's not your little fairy up there just doing what you ask Him to do. You know, we have to line our, we have to line our life up with Him, not the other way around. He doesn't line His up with us. Amen? So, so in this... What I want you to get today is this. Don't disqualify yourself thinking that the supernatural has to be the spectacular. Know this, that you can live a simply supernatural life just by simply following that still, small voice on the inside. And when you do that, but here's the thing, the better you get at following that still, small voice, the more spectacular things you'll start to see. It's not limited to the spectacular, and it's not disqualifying the spectacular. But it's as you start listening and as you start walking in the supernatural, 
you will start experiencing more spectacular things because God can start using you, and He will start using you. He'll start using you to teach people and to show people and to lay hands on people and to, to bring healing and deliverance to people. And even in that, it may not be spectacular. You know? I mean, BJ, BJ said that this morning about, you know, there's people sitting in here today that, that you're walking in your gifts and your destiny. A lot of you, you know, it's because of the prayer and the, and the dedication that, that not only me, but other people have laid down in this church as well. And that's true in any church. If, if you submit to a church and submit to a pastor and you, and you buy into that vision, listen... I mean, you know, the vision and the vision and the, the the direction comes from the Lord. And when you when you allow when you allow yourself to buy into that and to and to sow into that and to connect with that, man, you're blessed because of that. You know, the Bible says when you when you when you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you'll receive the prophet's reward. Amen. So when you receive the word of the Lord as coming from the word of the Lord, then you'll receive that blessing. As the word of the Lord. Amen. So, so just know this. That as, as you go this week and as we're continuing to fast. And, and let me encourage you. If you haven't put your prayer request up here yet, man. Put it up there so we can agree with you. And so that we can be praying with you these next two weeks. And, and maybe if you're not fasting with us. I encourage you to do that. Skip one meal a day and spend time, extra time in prayer. You know, skip two meals a day if you can. Fast, you know, fast... Complete if you can. However you want to do it, it doesn't matter. I just encourage you to do something. Because this corporate fast, there, I agree, there is power in this. And man, I am, I am fully convinced that we're going, to see, we're going to see a lot of these prayers answered in these next two weeks. We already had one answered. Somebody called this week and told me, I said I put, I put a thing up there and, and God came through and took care of it. Amen. Amen. So, I mean, that, that was already one. Amen. And, I mean, so I believe we're going to see a lot more. So I encourage you to, to do that and stand with us, pray with us, be agreeing with us. Come back tonight at 6 and pray with us if you can, and, uh, and you'll be blessed. Amen. So, so don't disqualify yourself just because you're thinking maybe, maybe I don't do the supernatural or that's not me or, you know, or whatever the case may be. Don't disqualify yourself. Know this, that the supernatural, you can walk in the supernatural just like, just like, I, state, just like I titled this today, simply supernatural. It's not hard. God never meant it to be hard. It's not, it's not a thing where God, where God just made it so hard and He said, well, I'll see who can do that. No. You know, it's kind of like Tommy Tenney wrote in his book, God Chasers, uh, one of the first couple chapters in that book. I love it. He, he, told, he told the story about him playing hide-and-seek with his kids when they were younger. And he said, you know, when, when you play hide-and-seek with little kids, he said, you don't hide so they can't find you. Right? He said, you hide so they can find you. He said, if you hide behind the couch, you leave your shoulder up over the couch so when they come running in the room, Daddy, Daddy, I see you, I see you. You know, and, and what, what he was saying was this, the joy, on, he said, the joy on them finding you is priceless. Even though, even though you know that you didn't hide good enough to where they couldn't find you hid so that they could find you so that you could see the reaction on their face. Right? Well, that's just like God. He, he hides things in plain sight so that when we find them, our reaction brings Him joy. And He loves when we, when we get a revelation. He loves when it clicks. He loves when we get it. Because then guess what? He can go a step further. And He can take you to another level. And then He can go a step further and take you to another place. But what does it take? It takes us opening our eyes takes us open in our ears. It goes back to the scripture I opened up with this morning, Jeremiah 29, verse 11 through 13. It goes back to us selling out and us saying, you know what, I'm going to seek you with my whole heart. The message translation said, the message translation said, when you seek me and you mean it with everything in you, that's when you'll find me. You want to see the supernatural? You want to see God move? You want to see, you want to see you know, things happen in your life? then do it with your whole heart. Do it with your whole heart. Don't give, don't give God half of it. Don't give God your leftovers. Settle in your heart that you're going to give God your best. If you're going to give God anything, give Him your best.
That's, that's what he deserves. Amen? Let me pray for you. <clears throat> oh, Father, I thank you. I thank you for the word this morning. I thank you, Father, for uh, revelation. Father, I thank you that... Uh, Lord, I thank you that the supernatural is simple. <laughs> it's, it's as simple as listening. It's as simple as seeing you. Father, it's not, you, you never meant for the supernatural to be difficult. You never meant for our connection with you to be difficult. Father, it's, it's as simple as, as saying a prayer and hearing a response. It's as simple as looking up and seeing things the way you see it not just the way things are in the natural here. Father, it's, it's simply looking through, looking, looking through the impossible and seeing the possible. It's as simple as faith, Lord. Just simply believing. Smith Wigglesworth said all the time, and it's in the Scripture, but he would always say, only believe. You need an answer for God? Only believe. So, Father, my prayer today for each person here is this. First and foremost, Lord, I, if there's one here that doesn't know you, then, Lord, I pray that today would be that day that they, that they realize they need you and that they turn their life over to you. But, Father, for everyone else, Father, my prayer is that we would get this mindset out of our minds and, and we would renew our mind to what the Word says about the supernatural and, and how easy it is. That it's not hard, it's not mystical, it's not uh, fantasy. But Father, it's the way you live, Jesus. It's, Jesus is the same way you lived. And with the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, it's the way we should live. Simply supernatural. So Father, this year, 2019, my prayer, Lord, is that we, our eyes would be opened our ears would be opened so that, we could, so that we could see like you see. We could hear what you have to say. And then, Father, we would walk that out. And we would walk in that. Father, and that's simply supernatural. Father, and then the spectacular things, the signs, wonders, miracles, healings, and deliverances, Lord, all of that will come. But we don't rejoice just at that. We rejoice, Father, because you loved us enough to send your son and that our names are written in, in, the, in the book of life. So we thank you for that. So we bless you, Lord. We honor you. Thank you for giving us the revelation of this. Speak to each one of us. Father, as we're fasting, I pray for strength. I pray for... Father, I pray that, that, the, that our spiritual sensitivity would be at an all-time high. Father, as we're fasting and as we're seeking you, those that are setting special times apart, and, Father, to pray and to get in Your Word, I pray, Lord, you would, that You would reveal Yourself to them in greater ways than You ever have. Dreams and visions. Father, encounters. Thank You for that, Lord. Yeah, Lord, and, and I just thank You as a result. Yeah, I, I heard that. Thank You, Lord. As a result of walking simply in the supernatural, then the healings and the deliverances, the, the blessings, and all of those things, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. So Father, as we, as we learn to simply live supernaturally, all of the things that we seek for all these years, Father, will just show up. <laughs> We're not seeking them, we're seeking you. And Father, when we find you, everything you have comes with you. So I thank you for that. And I pray blessings on each one. And I pray, Father, just for a, for a, a favor and an anointing on everyone here today. Father, that as we go our way today, that, Lord, that you would put people across our path that we could witness to, that we could shine the light with, and, Father, that we could share the gospel with, and that we could simply be supernatural Christians, living our lives in this, in this dark world. Because, Father, that's, that's what you've called us to. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. I pray you have a great afternoon.
Uh, prayer tonight at 6 if you can make it back. We love you guys, and we'll see. Oh, and let me mention this too. Uh, on Wednesday nights, I started a new series. I sent a text out about it, but on Wednesday nights, I started a series on the Feasts of the Lord. And, man, we had a great time Wednesday night uh, digging into that. So if you can make it on Wednesday nights, it's a, it's a very interesting series. So come on back out on Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you guys.